You're listening to the See the Unseen podcast, where our number one focus is creating a little visibility for people who deserve a whole lot of spotlight. I'm your host, Melissa Georgioff, and I'm here to share some amazing stories that can transform and inspire lives. So get ready to take those blinders off and see the unseen. And welcome to the podcast. I am here with Tommy Carlos. He's a Nashville singer-songwriter, a number one hit songwriter. He has written for Montgomery Gentry, uh, Roll With Me. He has written with Blake Shelton, uh, What I Wouldn't Give, Randy Travis, Old Dominion, Chris Young, Trisha Yearwood, just to name a few. He is, he always sings at the listening room and at the famous Bluebird Cafe. He's had over 1 million downloads, streams, and videos, and just recently signed with Sony Records. I am so excited to have Tommy here on the podcast. We share a passion for country music and songwriting. And so we are going to talk about all things writing, recording, and performing. And he's also going to sing for us today. So, Tommy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Melissa. This is great. Thank you. So we have so much to talk about and I have so many questions. So I, you know, I'm keeping them out here in front of me. We're both from a very small town. So I'm from Bethalto and and Tommy, you're from East Dalton, right? Yeah, I say East Dalton. It's hard to pick because they're all kind of mixed together. Um, but yeah, East Dalton, but I went to Roxana. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were rivals kind of we back were. in the day. Yep. Yeah. CM versus the shells. Yep. Yeah. So I used to say that all the guys came to Bethalto to get their women, but I don't know if I can say that. I shouldn't really <laughs> say that. I might make some enemies before. or something, but, um, so I hear that though you like, you picked up and moved to Nashville, um, at age 19. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I actually, I went to the uh, Bluebird Cafe my first trip to Nashville when I was 14 years old and I saw a guy named Dean Dillon. Dean wrote all of those great hits by George Strait and he also wrote Tennessee Whiskey for Stapleton. Um, but I saw him perform and it was my first time seeing uh, that that was a profession that people did that. And I was sold. It was like that was I was I was meant to see that. And that's what I was always meant to do. And I made a five year plan from that point because I just started to write songs and and learn guitar. And yeah, 19, I moved. You were 14 when you learned to play the guitar. I was actually 12. My cousin, Pat Calhoun, who's from uh, the same area as me, he um, he used to play at family functions and he would play James Taylor and America and Sweet Home Alabama and just great songs and great music and always at family functions. And I think seeing him and his passion for music, um, I think there's that got into me early and made me want to learn. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you, so you knew early on you want to play the guitar. Who bought your first guitar? Um, well, my uncle Bob found an old guitar in a dumpster and he, uh, he pulled it out and he, uh, gave it to my mom and my mom gave it to me. And that was what I learned on. Um, and then the, I finally got an actual guitar like a year later after I practiced, but yeah, that was what I learned on. I remember I got the sheet music to country roads and I just kept trying to play it over and over again for about six months. And finally, by the end, I could play the guitar. Oh my gosh. So you literally got your first guitar out of the dumpster. Yep. My uncle Bob found it for me. 
by Uncle Bob. Wow, yeah. that is crazy. Thank you, Uncle Bob. No kidding. And so, yeah, does, should a Uncle Bob get kind of like, you know, percentage of that point zero 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 two cents that you're If there getting? was enough to go around, yeah. he could. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So we have so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I fell in love with songwriting. Um, I did this um, kind of you know, we went in our corporate event and we went and wrote with some songwriters, uh, Will Nance and Brian White yeah. and a few. And so we got in this room and I got to kind of write on a board and Will was just like throwing out all these lyrics and he was so creative and so clever. And I thought, this is so cool. Like, I can't believe how this just like comes to everyone. And uh, so we we wrote a song. It was kind of about wheelchairs and things like that. And then we went into the studio and recorded it. And it was a blast. And so I just remember, you know, I've met a lot of singer songwriters and, and, you know, I have been a fan of yours for a long time before I even met you, uh, because I am, of course, friends with Charlie Brown. Yep. And, and then I know Billy Hurst and I know yep. they're going to be with you um, in Godfrey and on October 21st. And we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have to show you this. I have like Charlie Brown made this for me and um, my kid's dad. Oh my okay, gosh. it says to Missy and Steve from Charlie. And this song, What I Wouldn't Give, it was on here. And I used to listen to this song like over and over and over in my trailblazer. And I would just think about like, wonder what they meant when they wrote that song. And so I'm going to ask you right now, like, who, why did you write this song? Was this like some love song? Like it, it sounds like there was like a lot of heartbreak. Yeah. Like did some woman break your heart because you didn't give her what she needed or what happened so so uh before i get to that i've probably held that cd in my hand charlie and i had a cd burner that we used to burn those exact cds so i guarantee <laughs> that was the cd burner that we used to put that demo on there i bet that was 25 years ago um, yeah it's a tommy and um charlie and i didn't know who tommy was at the time but yeah. i knew you were like really good and yeah. but i just love the song yeah, well, Charlie had... Uh, and by the way, I think you sound way better than even Blake Shelton. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Charlie had Charlie and I were roommates. Charlie was a big part of my story, too, because he had, uh, he had always played, and he was known around here for playing. And we ended up doing... My first year, I learned how to play the guitar. We ended up doing a high school talent show together. He was going to be in it as a guest. And I was like, man, would you do a song with me? So my first time ever playing on stage was with Charlie. We did If Tomorrow Never Comes, and he would come over to my house when I was like 14, and he, we'd go down to my parents' basement, and we'd, we'd practice over and over again. And I think I messed up really bad, if I remember right, when we actually did it. But, you know, your first time on stage, if you mess up really bad, it's good because you never worry about it again. But we, um, yeah, we ended up writing, starting to write together, um, and uh, we lived together here in Bethalto uh, for about a year. Charlie made the big move to Nashville, and that really hastened me to do the same thing. Um, when he pulled the trigger, it, for me, it was like, okay, it's time to do it. So I had basically a year to get my stuff together and to get down there. And we had gotten down there, but before that had happened, and this is getting to that song, um, I had been with my high school sweetheart, my very first girlfriend, and I had wanted to move to Nashville, and I knew I was going to do that, and I knew she wasn't, and um, I ended up breaking it off, and very shortly, not long, within months after breaking it off, I, I regretted it because it was my first time in heartbreak, first time mm -hmm. I'd ever felt that, and that was a super impactful uh 
thing on me. And that stuck with me. And um, fast forward a couple years, uh, my first year in Nashville, Charlie and I have a write with a guy named Charlie Steffel, who wrote songs for Leanne Womack and Garth Brooks. And we're sitting there and Charlie Brown um, says, I think it was Charlie Brown that had that title and he'd had it for a while. And um, he threw it out. And it was like, that was the perfect avenue for me to finally write this song of something that impacted me at a young age, my first heartbreak, you know? And when you're young like that, you just think the world, it's, the world's going to come to an end. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, shoot, even when you're older, you still right, feel like. Right, that's true. I am such a hopeless romantic. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So it, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was a very, very impactful thing. And that's the thing with songwriting. Like, it's a way to get something out. But you can try to do it in several different ways as with most songs. But it, sometimes it just has to wait for the right song for it to actually be the way you want to express it. And that was how it was with this. Charlie threw out that idea. And I remember our third co-writer walking, went upstairs to do something, and and I just started playing this waltz, this three-four thing on the guitar, and I just kind of started humming this melody. And and Charlie Steffel was upstairs yelling, "What's that, man? What's that? We got to write that." And ended up writing it that day, and then finishing it another day. And uh, we all knew, we all knew right away, we had something that was pretty dang good. It's it was really dang good. Yeah. Um. And well, you've got your guitar in the hand. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know when we're going to play these songs, but I think it's this is a, now a good segue into hearing a little bit about, you know, what I wouldn't give. And this is Blake Shelton recorded this. You, you want me to play a little bit of what yeah. I wouldn't give? Okay. Yeah, I sure do. I just this is this is this is really OK. I haven't done this song in years. Oh, so I'm, no, no, I no, really no. like threw it out no. there to you. Let's let's. Let me let me give it a shot. Let me see if I can do a verse chorus. It's been a long time. Is that the one you told me not to have you play? I think now it I think was. I was but oh that's my a, gosh! <laughs> no, it's it's a challenge. Okay. Uh, radio on. Here we go. I'll do. I'll try to do a verse chorus. All right. Charlie's the one that usually does this one. Leave the radio on just to hear a voice other than mine. Cause I can't bear to hear the cold truth running through my mind. Cause everything I did wrong just keeps haunting me. It won't let me be. Lying here without you, well, I'm starting to see why you gave up on me. What I wouldn't give just to go back when you were in my life. I'd do it right this time. What I didn't do was give my whole and that's why you've gone and I know I did wrong and I'll never hold you again cause what I wouldn't do something like that wow <laughs> I love that. And I'm so glad that you played it. Thank you. 
No problem. So I know that you also wrote your number one with Montgomery Gentry. Yeah. Roll with me. Yeah. So tell me about that song and like what I, I'm so curious is like, do these songs just like hit you one day or are you just out riding in your car? Some, a, you know, song pops in your mind. What happened with Roll With Me and what, what made you want to record that song? Man, you know, it's always um, it's always different. But just just to back up how that song came um, when I moved to Nashville, the typical thing that Charlie and I had heard is, look, it takes five to seven years on average to get your first publishing deal. And that was the goal. That was we wanted to be professional songwriters. And um, my first week there, uh, Charlie and I did um, a workshop with the number one independent publishing company. And uh, they only took two songs and they're both mine and Charlie's out of 50 people that were pitching them songs. And they called us in the next day. And basically from that, I ended up getting my first publishing deal um, almost almost right away within a few months. And um, and so I, I really wasn't ready, but it was great because everything good that has happened came from that. That was the genesis of it all, all the people I've met, all the things I've done. And um, but at the same time, I was a 19 year old kid and I didn't quite know how to deal with the pressure of a contract and, you know, making things happen. I had only written songs on my bed and for fun. And and all of a sudden it was like, OK, you're under contract and it's like a sports contract. It's like you have a year. You have a year to make something brilliant happen. Like, wow. Like, they gave you a deadline. One yeah. Year. I mean, that's usually how it is every year. They they you know, they may re up it after a year or not. But you pretty much have a year, maybe two uh, to really get things going. Well, I had been at that company for four years and that was great. And uh, then I ended up getting a deal somewhere else and it was the best company in Nashville. And I, I kind of creatively froze because I'd put so much pressure on myself. I was still learning how to do this job and I was a kid really. And I just was kind of paralyzed with fear creatively and I ended up losing that deal in about a year. And when I lost that deal, it was kind of an eye opener because it was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to enjoy it, not just like worry all the time about making the impossible happen because it it is so hard. Even mm -hmm. if you get a publishing deal at that point, like it's still the odds are just so against you. And I was like, I need to get back to how it was when I was a kid sitting on my bed, just writing songs for the love of it. Cause that's really when you come up with the best stuff anyway. Right. And, um, and so I lost that deal and I was like, I'm just going to get back to it. Just get back to enjoying it. And about two in the morning, one night I walked out and usually I come up with a melody and I'll record it just saying nonsense words. And for this time, for some reason I pressed record on my little recorder and I just started playing this thing. And, um, and this melody came out and this lines, it was gibberish that I was saying, but the line I'm thinking, maybe it's time to be living the rhyme when I'm singing a song about nothing but right. I didn't even know what I was saying, but I said that. I was like, that's actually kind of a cool line. And I ended up building the whole song lyrically around that, wrote most of it that night. And I just, I remember like having tears go down my face because I knew it was going to be my first big song. Wow. And um, I just had that weird divine it was a total, total God thing. And uh, a year later, it was number one for several weeks. That's amazing. Yeah. So isn't that crazy how you just know something that is is divine? It's coming from God and, and you're listening to it. And it's just like, I know this is going to this is something. Yeah. And you just have to kind of keep moving forward with it. So you wrote Roll With Me one at just one night on your bed 
by yourself. Yeah, Nobody I, else, no co-writers. No, there was there was a co-writer. Uh, so I wrote most of it that day, and I was like, I knew it. And then I woke up the next day, and my buddy Clint Daniels would stop by all the time. And I was like, man, I was like, you want to? I think I've got something really great. Because as a songwriter, you're always doubting yourself, you know, a day later. And uh, I ended up playing for him. He flipped out. He's like, heck yeah, I'd love to help you finish that. And so he, uh, you know, crossed some T's, dotted some I's. And uh, yeah, that was the rest is history. And so they record or Montgomery Gentry recorded it. So yeah. how did that how did that come out? Like, how so, did that happen? Uh, you know, a lot of it was like it was a lot of it was altruism uh, and karma and all that stuff, because I had been so appreciative of that publisher that it gave me that chance that had just let me go um, that after I wrote it, I went back to them and I said, I want to give you this song. Um, because I appreciate you guys taking a chance on me, and I really want it so badly to give you guys something great. And, I, and it ended up being the best thing I could do because they went and took it to Sony, and they ended up pitching it to Sony. But they ended up – like it, it went across town, and it was on hold for everybody. A hold is where basically you know, uh, it's a handshake agreement with the artist that says they have the first rights to it. So Montgomery Gentry was the first one, then Dirk Bentley had a backup hold, then Darius Rucker was coming around the scene, and he had it. And then it was like seven or eight holds. Oh, my gosh. Now, do they all know that other people are holding they on do. to it? They do. Oh, they may good. not know who, but most of the time they do. And so they know until they get the go, uh, that, you know, that somebody else has the rights to it for the time being. Um, and at that time, it could be on hold for six months or a year. Um but yeah, Montgomery Gentry heard it and they knew they wanted to do it. And um, and they ended up making it their own song. It wasn't even a song that really fit what they did too much, um, but they ended up making it their own. Yeah, and so here's just the, uh, I've pulled, thrown up on the screen, uh, Roll With Me, uh, the two guys there. Um, now the lead singer, wasn't the lead singer that he did pass away, right? Yeah. Well, they yeah. really were both the lead singers. Um, okay. Troy, there was Eddie Montgomery and Troy. They would both right. switch off singing, but yeah, Troy, um, I got to befriend Troy, uh, after that song. In fact, he made one of the coolest moments of my life happen. He, um, he ended up letting me sing under the arch with, he, he let me sing a roll with me under the arch on the 4th of July in 2011. Um, for over a hundred thousand people, which was the craziest thing I'd ever done. I saw that on Facebook yeah, and yeah. I, I tried to download that video. It was super cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's just so many people that look like hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah. They said the there crowds. was easily over a hundred thousand. It's crazy. Yeah. I had a picture that I, um, I thought I had of you two, um, no, I don't have it right now with me, but it was a picture. You've had a picture with, with those guys, right? Um, yeah. And so do you hang out with them? Are they are they appreciative of what you did? They like, were incredibly grateful. Um, I ended up going on the road and writing with those guys a lot. Um, There's a couple weekends. John Daly was on the bus with us and the other weekends, like somebody else would show up. But yeah, I ended up befriending them. And Troy was literally one of the nicest, most generous dudes you'll ever meet. He was nice to everybody. Um, he's missed by a lot of people, but he, he was really a great dude. Well, yeah. Well, I'd love for you to play the song for us. Yeah. Can you do happy. that? Yeah. All right. In fact, I've got this guitar that um, is in the tuning I wrote that in, so I'll just kind of play it the way I wrote it that night. Wake up in the morning, get to living my life. 
making sure I'm all that I can be. Went to church on Sunday, and there was a moment that came. I swear it was like the Lord spoke right to me. So now I'm slowing it down, and I'm looking around, and I'm loving this town, and I'm doing all right. And worry about nothing except for the man I want to be. I'm thinking maybe it's time to be living the rhyme when I'm singing a song about nothing but right. And it sure be nice if you'd roll with me. I saw a kid last winter, only 20 years old, being laid to rest while his mom stood by his side. It sure was hard to watch those tears roll down her face. And it made me think how we all just have our time. So now I'm slowing it down and I'm looking around and I'm loving this town and I'm doing all right. And worry about nothing except for the man I want to be. I'm thinking maybe it's time to be living the rhyme when I'm singing a song about nothing but right. And it sure be nice if you'd roll with me. Who knows what's up ahead? I think I'd rather not know instead. That's why I'm slowing it down, and I'm looking around, and I'm loving this town, and I'm doing all right. And worry about nothing except for the man I want to be. I'm thinking maybe it's time to be living the rhyme when I'm singing a song about nothing but right. And it sure be nice if you'd roll with me. I wish you'd roll with me. I wake up in the morning, I get to live in my life. Awesome. Thank you. And the crowd goes wild, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me about the process of writing. I mean, how, what's the, you know, is it a long process for you? Is it a creative process? I, do you have to be in a certain zone? I, you know, you said that it makes sense. It's kind of like when you get overwhelmed at work, I, I look at it from a business perspective. It's like when there's so much going on, it's almost like you can't even think, you can't be creative. You can't think straight. So do you have a place like you go to kind of chill out and, and, and think, or do you like, is it something that happens with friends or do you write about your friends or family or like what, what kind of, pokes at you and then you're like that's a song yeah i mean uh i think from the beginning it's always been like an example of that song is uh the second verse is about someone i went to high school with uh from around here jared hawkins who passed away early and that was something um that affected a lot of people especially me um in a crazy way and it stuck with me for years and i tried for years to write about it but i just it never came out the right way 
and it's like I said, it just it's like it's waiting for the right time. If you keep thinking about it, it'll wait for the right time. It's like it's just like a seed that you plant. And uh, when that song came around, it was just that second verse was the perfect place to to write about it. Um, so that I mean, that's usually how it is. I think usually, you know, this is a job and it is a business, too. So you can't wait around for inspiration. Um, thanks to John Lennon, who I think signed like a million dollar deal and never wrote a song. We have song quotas. Mm -hmm. So we we have to be writing every day. You have to show up and approach it like a job. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that can um, that can take a little bit of the inspiration out of it. And that takes years, I think, to get used to, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but really, at the end of the day, you show up every day and you do your best. And some days the magic's going to be there. It's not going to be there every day. But you treat it like a job and uh, somehow uh, it just shows up when you need it to. Sure. Well, I know when I was young, I always thought the artists wrote all of their own songs. Like, yeah. and, you know, and then I found that there are people who write songs yeah. and then someone else is performing them. And then I always want to know, like, well, what was going on in their life that they wrote this or. And then I found out, like, one of my friends told me, well, Melissa, it's not always true. Like, sometimes we make up something. I'm like, what? You know, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I want it to be all authentic. Um, but I would imagine that you, you know, have written a, a lot of your songs have a lot of heart in them. Um, is there a lot of heartbreak? Have you went through a lot of heartbreak? And do those come out in your songs? You know, think about Taylor Swift. She, like, writes, you know, all these songs about yeah. all the guys that she dated. Are there songs that you've written about? you know, past people that you've been with or. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's still, you, you mentioned being authentic. I think it can, even if like the details aren't true, I think usually it does show up, you know, there is something authentic in it, mm -hmm. you know, um, just, yeah, I have, I've, I mean, we've all experienced a lot of heartbreak and uh, as a songwriter, that's something you hold on to and it's good material and it, you know, it feeds you to write some good heartbreak country music songs. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's it's just it's it. You, I think Johnny Cash said, "Don't let the truth get in the way of a good song." And I think, mm. you know, I think he's not saying it's not true. He's just he's saying there is something really honest about it. It's just it just depends how the song wants to come out. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and then and really, it can affect anybody. They might be going through something, and it just hits. You know, it yeah. it works with them. Um, yeah. Well. I just, you know, I always want them to be, you know, I'm all, all about, you know, somebody done me wrong song. Yeah. You know, that is a country song, right? Sure. Um, but um, yeah, so let's talk about, let's just switch gears here and let's talk about veterans. So yeah. I know that you're riding with veterans um, and it's called, uh, I'm going to throw up here, Creative Vets. Yep. Tell me a little bit about that and why you're so passionate about it. Yeah, so um, the past six years, I've been working with an organization, and um, it's actually a funny story how I met them. Um, a lot of y'all might know the the Cy Young Award winner Barry Zito, who is uh, um, who moved to Nashville after winning the World Series and winning the Cy Young. He moved to Nashville to be a songwriter, and um, I met him. I didn't. I stopped paying attention to baseball when I moved to Nashville, so I didn't know who he was. And I think because of that, we became really good friends because we got in the room, we wrote a song together and we just kind of hit it off. And I didn't really know who he was. He was just a cool dude. And um, anyway, we became good friends. And then he introduced me to two or three different organizations that I work with now. And one of them is Creative Vets. Creative Vets is an organization started by a veteran who 
Um, he, he was in Iraq. He was, um, he worked at Camp David. Um, he had lost his gunner in war, who was his best friend. And, um, he had a really hard time getting through this. He had a traumatic brain injury and he ended up and she was in Chicago and he met a Nashville songwriter named Mark Irwin. And he's like, man, this is crazy thought, but would you ever write a song with me about my experience? So I could, I don't know, just, just write a song about it. And he's like, yeah, man, absolutely. Come to Nashville and we'll do it. So we did. And he had taken an art class before and he had realized how much it had helped him deal with the trauma. Like it was incredibly powerful for him. And he started to wonder if there'd be other songwriters that would want to do this or other veterans that would want to do it. So he started this incredible organization called Creative Vets in Nashville. And uh, it's they, they have a waiting list at this point of how many people want to get on there. <clears throat> They've worked with people from almost, I think, 49 states now, maybe 50 at this point. Um, but the work they do is so incredible that they just have people lining up to wanting to help. And uh, I've been doing it for five years now. And I remember the first time I did it, I was like, well, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. But I don't really know how this is going to help. Like, you know, but you get in the room with somebody and, and they don't know either. They walk in and they're kind of skeptical. and like, what's this? What's going to happen? And all of a sudden they open up and they start telling you crazy stuff that most of us can't even begin to imagine. And um, and somehow it's like for me this is just me personally but it's like god is in the room and he is just like blessing what's happening in that room and something comes out that's that's really powerful for them and for me and i've seen it now numerous times by the end almost every time actually they have a smile on their face they like you have this bond with them they're hugging you they're like so appreciative and um it helps them get through it and I, i've known of two or three personally that have said it saved their lives. And that's really what Richard Casper, uh, who started this organization, that is, I, I've learned that that's his genuine motivation. When he wakes up, he thinks there's 22 people today that I want to save from committing suicide. And that wow. is, that is his genuine life's ambition. And you can see it and you can see it in the work that he does. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's the thing I'm most proud of to be associated with, to be honest. That's awesome. Yeah. And how many people have you written with on, at Creative Vets? Um, at this point, it's probably been 150 to 200, if I had to guess. Um, veterans. So they tell you kind of like things that they experienced in war or what they're dealing with, or how does that work? How, do, how does it come out? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times, like I said, they're, they're telling you stuff they haven't even told their wives and, and they're basically processing it. And they, they, we may not write the song about that. Um, we may write about where they are now or something they want to say to their wife or their kids mm -hmm. or their family or about that experience. Um, but yeah, well, I'm sorry, what was the question? Yeah, just, you know, when you're like, how do they, how do you kind of come up with the song? So they're telling, like you said, they're telling you maybe something that they wanted to convey to their wife when they were like overseas or, yeah. or maybe something that happened, happened during the war or how they're feeling about it. Yeah. I know like 
you know, Andy uh, was in the uh, army. My nephew's been in the Marines. We have a friend who's was in the army and they all have, you know, kind of had PTSD and, and struggled with some of those things. And I think music is a beautiful way to just allow a release Yeah. and, you know, and what you're doing, it's like therapeutic, you it know? Is. And um, so when you, so they share all these things, I would imagine it probably gets pretty emotional in the room. It does. It gets very emotional. And, uh, you know, at first I didn't register a process that it was impacting me, but then I'd start to go on these retreats and I'd come back from them and it was like, it was an after effect. And I'd, I'd be like, why am I so tired and exhausted? But it's because of that. It's because you're kind of taking on this stuff and this trauma because you're trying to process it for them. You're trying to give them a voice to what they're trying to say. And I really do want to say what they want to say, to find a way to to say authentically to what they want and something they can listen to forever. That's really cool. So have you, you recorded, you record these songs for them and then yeah, creative vets. So they, they bring them to Nashville. They take them to the grand Ole Opry to write backstage. Um, awesome. And then they, um, and that's just the beginning after the write, they give them a guitar, they get their picture at the grand Ole Opry. Then the next day they take the veterans to the studio where world-class musicians record the songs and demo it. So then they record that and they've partnered with Big Machine uh, record label and then they end up putting those songs out. So if you ask Alexa to play uh, songs by veterans, those will be creative vet songs. And those are all the songs that they wrote at the Opry or with somebody, but they, they pair them with hit songwriters and basically do go through that process. That's so awesome. It is. It's incredible. So what's your favorite song that you've recorded? Um, for the veterans and do you want to play one of them yeah i'd be happy to play okay. one uh the the one that i usually play um is by a guy named jerry majetic I, I never can say his name it's m-a-j-e-t-i-c-h but jerry um we we're <laughs> no pressure but we were actually recording we were writing with him for fox uh uh their digital service was doing a documentary called i think paint patriots day or patriots list or something and um and so they were recording the documentary while we were doing this entire process. And that is nerve wracking because the creative process is kind of sacred and it's very private and mm. everybody's vulnerable. But this, there was like five cameras all around you trying to write, but ended up not really mattering because Jerry was such an incredible dude. Uh, he, he has most of the, his outer skin has been from burns and from explosions that he's been through. He's been through 85 surgeries. You know, he's, he doesn't have his arm from down to here. Um, and you just never met a happier guy that has a better disposition about things. He is such an inspiration. He's without a doubt my favorite veteran that I've got to work with. The song we wrote was incredible. Um, and we're still friends to this day. I, a lot of them, we still stay in contact, but, uh, yeah, Jerry's song was definitely my favorite. I'll, uh, I'll do that. For awesome. You. Yeah. Thank you. It's called, uh, it's called Another Day, and this is one that uh, they ended up recording. Love and Theft ended up singing this one for them. So. This is really who Jerry is. The war was easy. I knew who the bad guy was. Coming home was harder. Different for everyone. These scars here on the outside. They're the easiest to see, but it's the ones here on the inside that are the worst for me. But I wake up and smile every day, 
People ask me how and I just say It's a love of a beautiful woman It's a sun rising every morning Every day knowing I ain't gonna waste a minute It's my faith that keeps me going Trusting in the Lord and knowing tomorrow's not a guarantee. That's why today is more than just another day. I could choose to be mad, blame everyone, but that don't get you nowhere when the day's done. Cause there's so many things in life you Like the love of a beautiful woman Like the sun rising every morning Every day knowing I ain't gonna waste a minute It's my faith that keeps me going Trusting in the Lord and knowing Tomorrow's not a guarantee That's why today is more than just another day Long walks with my dog Good show coming on Singing along with my favorite song and It's a love of a beautiful woman It's a sun rising every morning Every day knowing I ain't gonna Waste a minute It's my faith that keeps me going Trusting in the Lord and knowing tomorrow's not a guarantee. That's why today is more than just another day. The war was easy. I knew who the bad guy was. Coming home was harder. Different for everyone. That's awesome. Thank you. What a beautiful song. Thank you. Oh my gosh. And does, doesn't that like get you so emotional? Like how do you, every time you, you know, re, you sing a song, does it like bring back all kinds of emotions for you? It does. It definitely does. I mean, sometimes more than ever, uh, more than other times, but, uh, but yeah, it always does. Just like listening to a song when you're singing it too. It just, uh, op it, it attacks something in your brain that takes you right back. Yeah, isn't it funny? Like I can't remember what I ate last night, but a song comes on yeah. from like forty years ago, and I can I know all the words to the yep. song. Has that emotional association yeah. with it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. I love what you're doing for veterans, and um, you know, I just think it's amazing. It sounds like amazing organization, and it is. And I, I encourage everybody to check it out. It's uh, creativevets.org, uh, which is just creative with the T S creativevets.org. Um, whether it's veterans that are, you know, want to call and or get on the list or see if they're a candidate to come down or, uh, people that just want to donate to something that is making a real world difference. This is making a real world difference. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for playing that. You've played at the Grand Old Opry, right? Um, I've played at the, uh, yeah. Or the, I, and the Ryman? I've played the Ryman, Ryman, which is the original Grand Old Opry, um, but I haven't played the actual show. I've played on the stage a lot, quite a bit, like yeah. half hours. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I got a question. It's like, what happened the first time that you heard your song on the radio? Like, where were you and how did you feel 
Yeah, uh, that was a moment that uh, it's funny. This moment Charlie and I actually would talk about quite a bit, and um, so I have, I have two quick stories with that. Um, one is so when Charlie and I got our song recorded by Blake Shelton. Um, we were like, man, I can't wait till that CD is out. Back when they had CDs at Walmart, yeah. And Charlie and I, I had were, them, yeah. And I oh, had Charlie's, yeah. the Cheyenne yep, one, and exactly, all that, the yeah. big hat, cowboy That's hat. That's right, yep. Yeah. And uh, so Charlie and I counted down the days till we can go to Walmart and pick up our song uh, with uh, <laughs> with the Blake Shelton cut. And so the day finally came, and we go in there, and we're just like, just amazed, and dream come true, and we're like, just staring at the thing, and then we're getting in line, and you know, I get, I get my, my CD and Charlie's behind me and, and, and the woman is checking him out and he, he holds the CD up. He goes, I, I have, there's a song that I wrote on this CD. And the woman looked at him and goes, debit or credit. <laughs> so Poor she, Charlie Brown. <laughs> she, she, she did not care at all, but that didn't rain on our parade. No. We still, we still celebrate it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first time I ever heard um, was Roll With Me. And I remember the intersection I was at in Nashville. I remember the song that was playing before and all of it. Yeah, that that's a moment that I dreamt about since I was 14. So it was amazing when it actually happened. So what do you do? Like get out in the car and blast it or, you know? No, it's just it's just a quiet moment that you'll never forget of just like, you know, it's it actually happened. Something you dreamt about is actually really, really happening. Yeah. So what keeps you going? You know, Nashville is tough and it takes a lot to make it in Nashville. I mean, I hear people that have, you know, awesome voices and they just, you know, they don't make it. And, you know, you have an amazing voice. You've, you know, you've got such a uh, good work ethic as far as, you know, you're just in there writing all the time, but I know it's tough. So what keeps you going? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when I started, back when we moved to Nashville, um, it's funny because I, I've always just wanted to be a pro songwriter. I mean, there was times where I thought about doing the, the, the artist thing, but what's funny is back then being a songwriter was the thing that was secure out of the two. Mm. Um, now it's the opposite. Now it's, it's being the artist and both are nearly impossible to actually, you know, succeed at. Um, but back then there was over 2000 signed writers on music row in country music. And because music has kind of lost its value, uh, respectively, since then, relatively, um, there's about three or 400 now. So it's been decimated by about 80%. Um, I think the biggest thing is that I've just, uh, people keep paying me to do it. I mean, this is what I've done now for 20, going on my 23rd year. Um, and every time, you know, if I lose a publishing deal, I've had seven or eight or nine now, I can't remember. But when I lose one, like, this is what I've done. So my first thing that I do is I go to Staples and I get a dry erase board and I write down every contact that I have. And I'll usually email 80 publishers, every publisher pretty much on Music Row. And then I'll probably get about half of those that call me back and then about half of those that I'll have a meeting with and then about half of those a second meeting. And then usually every time there's been two or three or four that want to want to sign me as, you know, as a songwriter. So I've just I've just been blessed to be able to do it. But it, it definitely is a grind. I mean, it takes that radio hit um, because I think to a degree I've, I've been successful. I mm -hmm. have, you know, like I said, Absolutely. I have. 100 million streams the last couple of years but 
you need a radio hit to really make the money. Right. You said, oh, I've had like seven, eight, nine deals, record yeah. deals. I mean, um, so let's talk about that because you have a you signed a deal in 2021 with Sony Records. Yeah. Right. Well, so Sony Music Publishing. Or Sony yeah. Music yeah. Publishing. OK. And so here's just a picture. Um, I took I stole this from your Facebook page. Yeah. Um, is this the executive team at Sony? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, the guy sitting there to my left is a guy named Rusty Gaston. Rusty uh, was running Tim McGraw's producer's publishing company the first when I first moved to Nashville, and he was a young kid out of college. And then he took off, and he started this company that just blew up. And so a couple, three years ago, he ended up uh, getting hired to run Sony Music Publishing, and he's just been the guy that everybody wants to write for because he gets songwriters. He's a he's a song person, which everybody used to be 20 years ago, but now right. there's only a few. And he really loves songwriting. He loves songwriters. He still pitches songs. He, he like he just has a love and a passion for it. And he nurtures songwriters, um, which isn't something that happens too much these days. Mm. So it was a dream of mine to be able to write for him and separately even for Sony, the number one company in the world, um, publishing company. And uh, then the guy to my right was the guy that I called uh, Jim Catino. He had just left Sony Records to start a publishing company uh, with Sony Music Publishing. And uh, it's just, it's been the best, best publishing deal I've ever had. It's been awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So even though you have a publishing deal, you're still just grinding all the time. You're just always networking, always yeah. reaching out to people. You don't have this team that no, you does, do, that works for you? You or? do. You do. Yeah. Okay. Team. I mean, I am, I don't have to network as much. I still do it, but I, I basically show up and write every day and my team are the one that fills that calendar. Gotcha. You know, or sets up retreats or whatever. Like Jim's already set it up a retreat with Chris Young. We wrote with him earlier this year uh, with um, Ryan Hurd, Marin Morse's husband, and just several different people like that. Or these new young artists. That's a lot of them that just got signed to a major record deal, or they just won The Voice, or they just did this or that. And we're trying to get in there early to be their songwriters or to write their big songs in case they take off. So sure. it's a lot of seeds being planted. And maybe one or two out of a dozen will take off and kind of take you along with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got a new album out um, and it, it's called Now That's a Memory. Is that right? Yeah. So um, we're going to have a whole album out called What Matters to Her. But we just released an EP, which is like a mini album called Now That's a Memory. Yeah. Okay. And that's a section of the upcoming album, if that makes sense. Okay. I'm just learning how all this works too. So. Yeah, I mean it's very technical. Um, it is. And but you are an artist, so you're not just a songwriter. I mean, you're an artist, and you're trying to make it as an artist, like even like bigger, right? So having concerts and and things like that. Um, to be honest, uh, no, not. No. I'm trying to make a living at it. It's a little bit different time these days. Um, I'm. I, my love is songwriting. I do this artist thing to help me keep my songwriting gig, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of reverse because yeah. a lot of people are songwriting to become an artist. Exactly. And you're like an artist so that you can songwrite? Yes, exactly. It helps, oh, wow. it helps support my, my main gig of writing, uh, supplement income of doing shows. And we're in a different time where that is actually feasible. Like I can do pretty well playing across the country, doing a lot of songwriter shows, acoustic shows. Um, and that's, you know, that is a big part of my income. 
Um, and I'll enjoy doing it. I love doing it. We're, we're in a time now where I don't have to be some big famous artist because we have streaming and, mm -hmm. you know, and amazing enough, we've, we've done pretty good with the album for it just being me and a few thousand Facebook followers or whatever, you know? Oh, I think it's amazing. Yeah. I was listening to it um, tonight and I thought when you walked in, I'm like, is that weird to hear your own music playing? <laughs> I don't yeah. know, but um, it's awesome. I think, I mean, you sound just, you know, sound the same as Luke Bryan or any of them, Thank you, you know? Thank you. Um, yeah, you are so talented. So um, there's a couple pictures, I guess, from your album um, or this new release. You're getting ready to uh, have this album release party, yeah. right? It's coming up on October 21st yeah. at 6 o'clock yep. in Godfrey at the Hathaway Hall. Um, you're going to be playing with Charlie Brown and Billy Hurst, yep. right? Yep. Okay. And so how did that kind of come about? Because I know yeah. you're having a party afterwards, and I'm definitely going to be there. Good. That's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, one of the things I did when I was back home in high school is played talent shows at the Hathaway Hall. And I've always loved that theater. And it just fits my kind of music. It's almost like if they took the Bluebird and made it that style of a theater. That's the kind of show that you can put on there. And I've always dreamt of doing a show there. And so when I released my first album uh, about a year and a half ago, we did that there and it was so amazing that uh, I just I basically wanted to try to do the same magic and come back and do the same thing. Charlie Brown and Billy Hurst opened it up with an awesome songwriters round. And then uh, me and uh, my friend Joel Shoemake, who's another hit songwriter, uh, we came and did about an hour and a half show. And it was it was awesome. It was such great acoustics. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, do the same thing again in October. That's awesome. Well, yeah. you've got a big fan club, and I know um, your niece, your niece Kennedy. Yeah. Um, she wants to be there, and of course Angela. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they called in. They have some questions for you too. Okay. Um. So Angela wants to know if you ever had a time when you just wanted to quit doing this. If you ever just thought, you know what, this is just, I'm tired of doing this, and give up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. I think that is an occupational hazard. I think that's a part of it. Um, it's everybody does. In fact, you know, I'm maybe one of 50 guys that are still doing it after 20 years. Um, and you can, but you can always see the kiss of death when someone's going to leave. Really? Yeah. It's, it's, they become jaded and cynical and we all, everybody doing this job because it is probably, you know, if, if you're the top two per, in the top two or 1% of any other industry, you're making bank. Mm -hmm. This is the one industry you're not um, at that level. And uh, it, it gets really, really tough. It's basically rejection for a living. I mean, that's it. That's, that's your job. But, you have tough skin. Yeah, you have sure. to have a really yeah. tough skin. You have to really want to do it. And you have to enjoy doing it, whether you're successful or not. Um, but yeah, there's been plenty of days where, where I wasn't sure, uh, if it was going to work out or if I'd keep doing it. And I just kind of handed it over to God and every single time it's like, he's been like, okay, it's, I want you to keep doing this. And, and look, the reason I've enjoyed it is because I've willing, been willing to give that to him. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm willing for him to say next year, Hey, it's time you do something else. Um, and, I, and this is one job that makes you reliant on God because I, you know, I don't have that security that other jobs have. Sure. So, um, you know, I just, I just keep having faith and it keeps working out. But he's always provided, right? I mean, look always. at you from 19 years old doing yeah. this for over 20 some years. Yeah. And 
you know, you're doing well, you've got all these different record deals, you've yeah. got millions of views. Um, and you know, it just takes what one, one huge hit, right? To it does just blow up. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's no other industry like that either to where you can go from one extreme to the other. There's not a lot in this world where it can, it can happen that fast. And then it's compound interest. And you see that too. You see that with the, the biggest songwriters. It's like they have one song and all of a sudden it snowballs into somebody having, you know, 20 number ones over right. a few years. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I still get to do it. And, uh, it's all I know how to do really, really well. Uh, so hopefully I'll get to do it. Keep on going. Did you ever have any other jobs? Yeah. My first, uh, my first G two weeks there, I got a job doing room service at the Marriott. Really? And I did that. I did that part-time for about six or seven years. And that was a really, really interesting job to say the least. Um, and then uh, between deals, I've went, you know, a year or two between deals uh, sometimes, and I've bartended, I've driven a lift, I've served at restaurants. Um, but fortunately, I haven't been, you know, haven't had to do that in uh, quite a few years. So that's awesome. Yeah. Now on your Facebook, it says that you are a Christ follower yeah. and you're very vocal about that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's awesome. Tell me more about how important your faith is to you. Yeah, um, I think um, I think Nashville played a part in that. Uh, I mean, I grew up Christian, um, and then when I went to Nashville, I remember going through this thing a lot of people do where there's a disenchantment. Even though I had stuff going, Nashville wasn't this uh, paradise of just fair-minded, reasonable, awesome people. Really? You know, it was a lot of sharks and a lot of... Uh, so I went through basically what I think is the same as a midlife crisis at 21, 22. Wow. I basically, which to me is where everything you've taken for granted and believed up to that point suddenly kind of loses its weight and becomes questionable. Mm. And um, I actually became, I guess, an atheist for a better, lack of a better word, for a couple of years. And um, it was actually uh, a friend of mine who lent me uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, or no, it was The Four Loves. It was his voice, the only voice recording of C.S. Lewis. And I just became obsessed with that thing because it just had so much truth on it. It had so much that explained the world that nobody else could do. And it wasn't in this Christian church language. It was just in this layman's terms, just truth. And, um, from that point on, it just kind of led me back to the Bible and, and to Christ. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's why I feel like, you know, it's always, you know, I always pray that it's for his good. And so, and partly why I want to start a podcast is just to make sure that I was giving visibility to people who deserve it. So, yeah. you know, whether it's singer songwriters who are doing all the work behind the scenes or it's people with disabilities or, uh, women in business or whatever, and and also just bringing um, the fact that other Christians are willing to be, you know, be out there with it too. Because yeah. these days, you know, it's like you're afraid to talk about anything almost. Yeah. So yeah, um, I mean, I in fact, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but but uh, I made a post on Easter uh, Sunday. I can't remember. It was just a Christian post, and my my Facebook reach suddenly dropped very dramatically and you can see it and it's measurable i don't know if that was why but you know it i think there are things out there like that um so but at the end of the day like i'm just going to be genuinely who i am and i know the right thing will work out yeah absolutely yeah. 
If that's the worst thing that ever happens too, that's not, that's not. Yeah. Hard. A little Facebook drop. And then next week, you, you know, you write another number one hit. There something. you go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the other question that Angela had was, um, do you know any Kenny Rogers songs and have you met him? Because, you know, she's a huge <laughs> Kenny Rogers fan and she says that she wants to know, you know, I know he's passed away now. Um, but she want to know, did you meet him? And do you know any Kenny Rogers songs that you can actually sing to her? I have never met Kenny Rogers. My brother uh, loved Kenny Rogers. Uh, he went and saw him uh, one of his last concerts, actually. Um, uh, no, I don't. I've never played a Kenny Rogers song. Uh, let's see. You got to know when to hold, know when to fold on, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money. You're sitting at the table, it's time enough to count when the deal's done. There you go, that's just for you, Angela. Wow, serenading her just for her. That is very special. <laughs> that sounded about right, right? Yeah, it was okay. good. I mean, you're like, oh, yeah, I don't even know if I know any Kenny Rogers song. Let me just pull this one out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Will Ferrell pulling out his, his yeah. Uh, flute. <laughs> yeah, or Michael Jackson saying, no, I can't do the moonwalk because he's walking yeah, up the stage. Yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. So let's talk a little bit. Um, I want to go to how you're compensated for um, what you do. Cause I know this is a big deal with a lot of singer song and writers. Um, and I know there's been issues about, you know, whether they get paid per stream and um, every time the song's played and all of those kind of things. And I know there was a, a time when there were issues in the, in the industry about it because people were stealing music yeah. um, just streaming for free. And so, and that's when all these subscriptions, I guess, came out, but how do you get paid four songs and I hope I was going to ask if there was anything off limits here but you know and and like what does it look like when you do get a number one hit are we talking you know hundreds of thousands of dollars are we talking what do, how much are you know do you get compensated for just the regular songs each week and then you know when it blows up yeah um no I mean I think it's it's public information that you know number one song total brings in anywhere from you know nine hundred thousand to one point four or five million um, wow. typically um, but you know keep in mind that's you know split to whether four or five or six or seven or whatever or different ways however it's worked out that that way you still can make money I mean you know obviously not a lot if you only have one and that's only going to last you so long especially depending how it's split right but that that's the only way where music hasn't dramatically dropped and it's worth the rest of the ways is streaming has now streaming is getting better there is legislation that's being passed and being worked on but for the most part it's nowhere near what it should be you know it started out somebody just wherever just putting an arbitrary value on it mm -hmm. um but you know i think the number i last saw was 0.0002 cents per play which is you know it's nothing it's could nothing. you like sit there and just keep playing your song over and over and over? yeah yeah you'd, <laughs> you'd have to more. do it a thousand times to get to a penny you right know? like it's it's just it's crazy it, it is crazy it's really crazy um so yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, music has become really not worth much at all. 
but you know if you can get a radio hit then you can get enough to survive by uh, or or you know in a movie uh that what they call sync licensing um but yeah you you need that and hopefully you know everybody keeps saying around nashville or whatever that radio is going away i'm skeptical because you know because it's still here and what are they going to do with those radio airwaves i think i think they're always going to be there it just may not be as popular yeah that's a good point do you do a lot of radio interviews I do a lot and I do way more podcasts and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah you said this was like your third podcast today, this right? This is, this is my third podcast in the last 24 hours. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I usually, How were the others? Were they, and there were women podcasts? They weren't nearly as good as this one. I'll oh, tell you all right. Yep. Awesome. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm saying maybe I'll be the next female, you know, Joe Rogan or there something. You go. I don't know. Yeah. But, you can do it. I do appreciate you coming here tonight because I know that you're. I am honored to be your first guest. I really am. So whenever you blow up, you just have to promise to have me back. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you have no idea just how like nervous I was with this because, you know, just me, you know, business is one thing, you know, I can talk about wheelchairs and ventilators and things like that. Yeah. But when I start talking about something personal to me and then I started to develop it, it was like, oh, this is a real thing. Yeah. Like, when we first started, you know, my daughter said, just take a couple of baby steps, right? Just kind of like you do when you're writing a song. And then all of a sudden I have a podcast table and I have a track and then I have wallpaper that Andy and I almost killed each other over. And, you know, and then you all of a sudden I have cameras and microphones and I, I sit up there and I look and I'm like, I have a podcast studio right yeah. now and I haven't done a podcast, yeah. but then, you know, asking a lot of people to come on and you were gracious enough to just say, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And and I said, yeah, okay, how about, you know, you're coming in September. Do you want to do September? Or, you know, we could do next week when you're here. And you're like, yeah, next week would be better. I was like, okay. Jump in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that is a little bit just how you have to do it. You it know, is. like, you can, th- you know, you, I think about, you know, I'm a pretty confident person. But, you know, this is out of my comfort zone, too. And so if you're not growing and developing, it's like, you know, you're kind of, you're dying, you know? And so just taking those little baby steps and then it's all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden it is something, you know? And so I think too, like, you know, when people are thinking about writing songs or they want to get in the music business, what's advice you would give them to like, you know, when you think about being courageous or, you know, taking those steps, because I know it must be hard for you to just the first time you recorded a song or the first time you you know, pitched a song. I mean, what kind of advice do you have for like young people out there that want to get into this business? Well, I mean, just like you did with, with this podcast, like, I mean, you look at anybody who uh, wants to do something like, or has done something, they have so many failures along the way. And I've, I've met so many successful and famous people and they've all, it seems like the theme has always been that they weren't afraid to fail. And they, and they, in fact, they did fail a lot and they just kept failing and they got used to failing. And that's how they stumbled into something that was awesome and what they really always wanted. They just didn't know yet. Um, so I, I think you have to, it has to be more process oriented. You know, you have to like enjoy the journey and the process of it. Cause that's really what it's about. It's not about getting it. it sometimes it starts off like, Oh, I want to get this number one. Or I want to be famous or whatever. And, but that really only gets you off the starting line. Really, you've got to like enjoy the process of it, enjoy doing it and be completely fine failing. I mean, you have to, it's just a part of it. 
Yeah. I yeah. mean, and that's, that's what my, my daughter would encourage me. Just don't rush the creative process. Cause yeah. like for me, I'm very impatient. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I need a logo. I've got to have, you know, yeah. all the things and I want them tomorrow in my house. Yeah. And so, um, she was like, mom, you know, just let it go. And so I would, I would read like a chapter. Right. And then, you know, and then maybe start to design a logo and don't hurry up and make a decision. And yeah. I think of like that as kind of like you're saying with, you yep. know, songwriting is like, you know, and even when you talked about timing, you know, maybe you had a certain lyrics that came to mind, but it wasn't the right timing. Yeah. And then, you know, everything kind of happens in God's timing. Right. Yep. Um, you know, I took a speaking class just because, you know, I wanted to develop a keynote. I thought, it would just help me to grow. My daughter said, well, just do it for fun. And I don't yeah. do anything for just for fun. Like yeah. it's got to have a purpose, right? Um, you got to do this to make money or you have to do this to work hard, you know, yeah. for your family or whatever. But for me, I've not allowed myself to just have fun and yeah. do something just for the joy of it. Um, and so I, you know, I kind of think of it that way too, is there's so much creative side to songwriting and, and, um, you know, and singing, which I'm just so jealous, like that you can play the guitar and sing, you know, I would love to be, I'm I teaching bet. myself to play drums. Okay. But, but, I bet you um, could play guitar too. I bet you could do it. Well, it hurts my fingers so bad. Oh, I got you. Yeah. I got so you. I don't know. And I did see that you can have these custom guitars made where you can make the strings like closer to the to the arm right and then you can um and you can cut like have a custom arm too yeah they come all sorts of way yeah i mean they can they can they can do that almost on any guitar they just shorten that and that kind of makes it closer but but really the calluses are what you got to build up and then it you know so you're saying you got to do the hard work that's right yeah yeah hmm. but again what it goes back to what we keep saying is you got to enjoy the process of it and do it do it purely for the love of it, because especially something like this, like, you know, my parents, at least my dad really didn't want me to do this. And I understand why, you know, um, he paid for my college and he um, I ended up because over half of my credits didn't transfer. And because I got a published deal offer, I ended up dropping out and going to, straight into it. Um, but, you know, I understand why he wanted me to have that security. This is a really, really grind uh, and tough job. And, um, you know, you've got to, if I, if I wasn't enjoying just doing it, even what, without success, I wouldn't, I wouldn't still be here. Right. You know, you've got to just do it for the love of it. And it's not always about the end or it's not always about making money. You know? Right. You need to, but it's not always about that. Yeah. If I could sing, I would literally be singing every day and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But our purpose and our passion, you're right. It's not just about finances. You know, yeah. it's about it. It's about finding your whatever it is that you're, you know, you're passionate yep. about. Um, lucky for me that I was, you know, passionate about I found a passion for helping people with disabilities and, you know, and it was good to me. And and but you know, I did it because I could not stop being that voice for people. Yeah. Um, like you are with the vets. I feel like that's, you know, how I want to make sure that people get what they need. Yeah. So I do I just because you mentioned the disabilities, I, I talking about the creative vets. Um, I've been doing uh, retreats with uh, as a partner. I've been the Johnny and Friends guy going on with creative vets. Have you heard of Johnny and Friends? No. John. Oh, Johnny and Friends. Yeah, you mean uh, like Joni. 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 Joni Erickson Tata. Yeah. Oh my God! I reached out to her to Are see you, if she would be on my podcast. Oh man, she is one of the most unbelievable human beings. 
I, I would mean, love to meet her. Uh, her organization is is unbelievable. Any, uh, I would I would look into them a little bit more too, and that would be awesome if you could get her. But their organization, uh, they're all over the country. In fact, I'm going to do a retreat in a week and a half in New Mexico and then Arizona with Joni and friends. But uh, I'd encourage all to look up Joni Erickson Tata. Her story, she is such an unbelievably inspiring Christian. Um, she was, I think she was going to be an Olympic swimmer and she ended up diving into a pool yep. and uh, became paralyzed from the neck down. And what she has done with her life and the people that she's helped, um, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah, I actually read her book when I was like, I think I was like seven or eight years okay, old. Okay, that makes sense. And I was just always kind of, she um, could draw with her mouth. And yeah. she was an artist. It was unbelievable. And so I just always remember that about her. So yeah. I, I don't know if that was like the first time I was ever introduced to someone who, you know, was paralyzed. Yeah. Um, and then just about, I don't know, a couple months ago, I saw her, one of her clips be, on Facebook because she is in ministry and she was talking about all these things. And I thought she would be so amazing to have on the podcast. And I told our pastor, um, Pastor Stephen Marcy, his wife, um, and she just was kidding me. She's like, hey, is, uh, you know, is Johnny on your podcast? Did you get her yet? Uh, but it's so funny that you mentioned that because yeah. I did reach out. I sent him a little email and said, um, I'd love to have her on sometime. Yeah, that's that's an incredible organization. And she's an unbelievable person. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, do you have another song that you want to play? I just love listening to you play. And sure. so. Um, gosh, I don't know why I can't think of anything all of a sudden. Um, let's see. Do you want up tempo, slow, uh, well, heartfelt? I, I, you know, I love a heart, good heartbreak song. Right, we'll you do know, a heartbreak song. I'll, okay. <laughs> I'll do an old, this seems to be the hometown favorite. Um, I wrote this uh, about 17 years ago, 18 years ago with Ward Davis. Ward is one. He was my roommate. He's kind of taken off with the Cody Jenks crowd, the outlaw Americana country. And uh, this is one that Ward and I wrote uh, called Expecting Champagne. This is the last place. Thought I'd be tonight Sitting all by myself In the glow of a neon sign And this ain't the song I was supposed to hear And I sure didn't think I'd be drinking this beer I was expecting champagne This was a day We were supposed to say I do And this was the night We'd raise our glass high And we'd all toast to me and you This bar is nice this beer ain't bad, but it just ain't the same. I was expecting champagne. Well, there's a girl at the bar, and she keeps smiling at me. And I can make a little small talk. Maybe buy her a drink 
lead her on Well that just wouldn't be right She'd be better off In someone else's arms tonight Cause I was expecting champagne Riding away In the back of a limousine with you Been loving all night Till the sunlight crept into our hotel But I'm sitting here alone With another beer gone And one more on the way I was expecting champagne I thought it'd be me and you For years from now Celebrating this day I was expecting champagne I was expecting champagne That was so good. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I could just sit here and let you play all night. You know, I'm not going to let you leave. Actually, I'm just going to shut the door and you have to sit here and sing <laughs> to me all night. <laughs> I know there's that song too. Um, this beer is not going to drink itself. Can you play a little bit of that one? This beer is not going to drink. Uh, Something yes. like that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see if I can just play a, maybe a verse and chorus. Uh, been a long day working hot sun for the truck off the highway for cold one. Bunch of regular Joes lined up in a row, and they all got a story to tell. Just trying to live. The hand they're dealt, this beer ain't gonna drink itself. That steel guitar's just what my heart's been needing. It's Friday night, and I sure like this feeling. It's a long way from here to Monday morning And the night's young, the neon lights are glowing Just trying to live right, one day at a time Just getting by like everyone else Doing my best and the hell with the rest This beer ain't gonna drink itself This beer ain't gonna drink itself Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I have a little gift for you. So... This I heard oh, that, that you wear this 
Um, oh, yeah. In fact, the person, I, I haven't even seen what's in this gift, and I know. You can slide it off because you okay. know the person, I think. I do. In I fact, every here. album cover on my new album has has one of these that she made me from the first one. Well, it's funny because I was reaching out to her for a whole different reason. And I said, look, I, you know, I'm talking to her about logos and some other things. And she said, well, who's your first, you know, guest on the podcast? And I said, well, Tommy Carlos is coming. And she said, oh, I know Tommy. And then all of a sudden she sent me the picture of like your bracelet with the cross on it. It's awesome. Okay, well, she designed this especially for you. You're kidding me. No, oh, okay. and it is so cool. Go ahead. You okay. can open it up. But I hope you like oh it. Oh, my gosh. So it was so cool. Um, That's awesome. So Kenethia Hagen, she um, has a place called Reloved Leather, and she makes custom um, jewelry. And evidently, she's made something for Tony or Tommy, Tony, Tommy before. And so she designed this that has two guitars on it. This is amazing. I thought it was so cool. That is great. Yeah. So I hope you like it. And, and, um, I just tell her I said thank you. I will. Yeah, I, I will. Maybe she'll listen to this. Thank yeah, you she's so definitely, much. She's definitely going to listen this to the podcast. Awesome. She's a big fan of yours. And this is great. I love it. That. Cool. That and, is great. and I mean, she's just like, she was like, she knew that you wore it and was like, I wear it on all the it. time. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Well, awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for doing this podcast with me. Um, I want to end with asking you, what, what are you most proud of? And what do you want the world, what do you want to be known for? Known for? Hmm. Um, I'm probably the thing, the thing that is my biggest honor I think is is doing the veteran stuff I mean that's that's where I get my deepest meaning is doing that and I think I'm learning as most of us do the older you get it's uh, it's kind of it's what you give that ends up being the thing that um, means the most to you not what you get or not making it about yourself or whatever and it's easy to do it's so easy to do it in my business is to make everything about yourself but um, yeah, I mean, that veteran work, just being able to help somebody or have a real world impact in somebody else's life without a doubt. Um, I don't know, that would probably be my, that that's the thing in my life that I'm the most proud of and probably has the biggest impact. It's awesome. It's yeah. awesome work you're doing. You've written, you said almost 200 songs with the vets already. Yeah. Over I've, five years, right? Yeah, I've, ri well, I've written at least 150 with 150 veterans. So sometimes it's been groups, but uh, yeah, it's always, a lot of them has been Joni and friends. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll do one more if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to have you sit here all night. You Let's can see. You can play all night. So... I just I can't I can't leave without talking about um, talking about this song. Um, this was on my first album, and uh, we released a music video uh, to this. Uh, we spent about six or seven days writing this song, and uh, we released a music lyric video, and it just uh, it got a, about a million views last year, just because a few people shared it and helped us out. And um, this is probably one of those songs that. Uh, is like Roll With Me, where it just kind of says a lot of stuff I was trying to write about for a long time. Um, if I can find my pick that I lose all the time. It's called Lessons. Y'all can check this out uh, online. I haven't played this yet, right? Nope. Okay.
Well, it won't stop till you stand up too. You ain't gonna win if you're playing on losing. Sometimes a curse can be a blessing. So wait your turn and learn your lesson. Don't hold a grudge, it'll make you bitter. Don't think that money's gonna make you richer. And happiness ain't about possession. Gotta crash and burn and learn your lessons. You can't win them all. You can't change the past. And don't take for granted what you got. Don't always want what you don't have. Take some chances, have some faith. Make the most of every day. Cause it could all be over in a second. Don't miss a day with your old man fishing. Or a cup of coffee in your mama's kitchen. Life is short, time is precious. Sometimes it hurts to learn your lessons. You can't win them all. You can't change the past. And don't take for granted what you got. Don't always want what you don't have. Take some chances, have some faith. Make the most of every day. It could all be over in a second Don't break her heart if you know you love her Don't let her leave cause you're too damn stubborn Cause she'll move on and you'll regret it Hold on to her and learn your lesson Every choice has consequences. Take it from me and learn your lesson. I'm so glad you played that song. I love that song. Thank you. How, how, why did you write that song? What, what? inspired that 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 was uh that was one of those where it was like i wasn't expecting to write about about a bunch of stuff that i've been wanting to write about that day we just we just uh somebody had that tyler like let's write a song about lessons or learning lessons and that's why it took five or six seven days to write it is because you're trying to find a way to pull out all that stuff you know about you know not having forgiveness like that makes you bitter that's toxic you know, those are things that we all learn along the way that you try to get in a song somewhere, but most of the time it comes out hokey or it's not a very good song or the melody isn't good or something like that. So when you have a chance to find something that where it fits well and it seems to be executed well, you take advantage of it. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And I love having you on this podcast. I, I am just like 
you have no idea how excited I am. Absolutely. I am seriously so honored to be your first guest. You did great. You're a natural at this. I've, like I said, I've done three or four just the last day, and this is without a doubt the best one. Oh, I mean, you're so sweet. You're great. You're natural. Thank you. Yeah. And I know you're going to have a show next week in Indiana, right? Yep. Um, uh, is it the Franciscan Family Night? Yeah. Uh, okay. The Franciscan Health Foundation's putting it on. It's a fundraiser at the Mallow Run Winery. Uh, it's near Indianapolis, I think Bargersville or something. Um, but yeah, there's tickets online for that. That's going to be like a lawn setting, like an amphitheater kind of thing with uh, two other great up and coming writer artists. And that's Thursday, July 27th. Uh, so Will Jones, Ryan Larkins and our very own Tommy Carlos. Yep, so right. um, that's awesome. And so make sure that you buy your tickets as well to the Hathaway Hall in Godfrey, Illinois on October 21st, at six o'clock. Um, tickets are for sale. I think they're yeah. like $39 something. Yeah, 35 plus tax. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you can go to TommyCarlosLive.eventbrite.com. Or you can just go to TommyCarlosMusic.com to get tickets. Okay. Well, yep. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be your number one fan. So. I can't wait. It's going to be an awesome night. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for doing this. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And so that's a wrap. We're going to wrap up. And please make sure that you go to my See the Unseen page and give us a like. Um, and like us on all, all the things, um, Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple podcast. Thank you.